Hey guys, welcome <laughs> hey to guys. episode two of our podcast around Asian American issues. My name is Derek Wu. Uh, I'm Jamie Shin. I'm Vivian. I'm Tracy. And thanks, Derek, for doing the intro. No problem. Um, I hope I was not talking during that, so we'll see. Um, so today's topic is about mental health and whether or not we feel our communities have supported us in maintaining like good mental health. I guess we'll just get started with questions. Do you consider your mental health to be a priority? To me, it really depends on the situation that I'm in because that could easily be set aside and then I have to do the thing I prioritize the most. So it could be a family issue that I have to put ahead instead of my mm -hmm. mental health. Um, but I do try to take the time out of my life to like give time to myself, you know, pamper myself a little bit, do like, I don't know, skincare routines or whatever. Like that really helps me um, at least take some time out of the day to like relax a little bit. Um, so that's how I do it on a daily basis. But if we're talking like, like between like one thing and my mental health, I, it really varies. For me, I think I would like to say that my priority is my mental health, but uh, prior about two years ago, it wasn't totally at its tip-top shape. I mean, back in like high school, it wasn't really that like deep, I guess. But I did kind of develop some bad habits due to I'm not gonna say depression because I, I can't diagnose myself with that but some very bad uh, thoughts that kind of pushed me to the way I was like acting out with, to my family like reacting certain th certain ways so at the time it wasn't important to me but I think now it's more like mental health to me is is more of my priority um how do you think your family reacted to that at that particular time? I think I was really lucky in that my mom understood because my mom and I are actually very empathetic towards certain issues, but a grand majority of my family weren't. Mm -hmm. My dad didn't understand the idea of depression and anxiety and stuff like that. I mean, like when I had confessed to my mom that I thought I was depressed, from what I understood or from what I could tell from the phone call, my mom was actually really upset. But she continued the conversation like, oh, um, how do you feel? Do you want to go to a doctor? Do you want like a doctor to help you? Stuff like that. And I thought it was really cathartic that she actually accepted the fact that this is a real thing and not just like, oh, you're just sad, move on, you know? Which is what I imagine my dad would have said to me if my mom wasn't there. I think my other family could probably kind of relate a little bit to it because my grandma and my grandpa know that I study psychology so they know there's like more than just like oh crazy people and stuff like that so they understand a little bit more about you know depression but people like my dad who are like very callous don't really know how to express their feelings and stuff mm -hmm. like that they don't really understand the concept of depression and anxiety so yeah, my, I'm lucky that my mom understood it because I think my mom has gone through that in a very, like, a smaller degree. I'm sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> um, do you consider your mental health to be a priority? I'm going to be real honest. 
no. Um, I think that I tend to kind of just put it in the back burner for everything because if I really were going to prioritize it, I would have already found a therapist, which I have not done. Um, I had one like last year, but I kind of stopped seeing her because she was really far. It was inconvenient to go to, and also just the resources aren't really available for me in general. So, yeah. But I am on antidepressants. If um, that kind of, if that counts as prioritizing. I, mean, I think so. At least you're taking yeah. care of yourself in that way. Yeah. 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 I guess I asked this because I feel that in my experience, a lot of like first gen or like older generations don't really understand what mental health is or like why we have to take care of it. Um, I think with the advent of like um, younger kids now going into college and realizing that this is like a real illness, um, that we've kind of tried to prioritize that. Do you feel that you've been supported by your parents? I know Tracy right? yeah. this, but do you feel that you've been supported by your parents or like your community in getting to a place where you feel that you are safe or secure in your mental health I don't talk to my parents about it um, I'm, I've told them that I've gone to a therapist and they're like what do you have to be sad about and they're right mm -hmm. like my life is not the hardest out there like I I go to like a fairly top university, right? Like my parents are there. My parents are together. They're 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 divorced or anything. Like there was no relatives that ever passed that I really like cared about. Yeah. It sounds harsh, but like <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but I think that what's interesting is the usage of language around mental health in secondary languages. Um, I know that in Cantonese, I'm about to do some bilingual moment here <laughs> um, Cantonese the word for like um, meant like mental illness is sunking bang right and that also like is used as an insult mm. towards people like um, you know on the street you can yell at someone and be like oh like sunking bang uh, uh, mm. like it's kind of like saying like you're crazy like kind of like that mm -hmm. but and it's I think it's the same in Vietnamese yeah yeah it's like insane I think is yeah. like the translation for it and so I think the usage that language barrier kind of makes it hard, you know, to explain to like, oh, like, uh, depression, depression, mental health, mental illness, like, cause I'm not crazy, like, I just got bad chemicals, like, you know, so. Mm -hmm, yeah. I don't think I was ever in an environment where they acknowledged mental health, or even like, because uh, I, a lot of Korean, like, expectations led to me being depressed and having like eating disorders and everything like that I think it wasn't made for them to like help or even address any of my mental health issues it was more like it created them and so when I talked to my mom about it um she said like like why did this happen like this is like not my fault like why are you this way um so that made me confused too I'm like wait why am I this way and so I kind of like pushed it to the back and then it stopped being a priority and then um being able to reflect on it now I guess is an improvement but I don't think that came about from my the people around me um because everyone in my family for the most part um have have talked me out of going to a therapist um seeking help talking it out or just venting even 
Um, so it's been really interesting for how I've got to this point, I, I think, yeah. Do you think the community that you have now is more supportive? Um, I, I do think so because there's more and more people who are willing to talk to talk to me with the yeah like Tracy here has actually <laughs> has actually talked to we, I've been able to talk with Tracy um, my boyfriend has been has had like he's been you know had mental health issues so I've been able to talk with him too um, but besides that like that's like my community mm -hmm. um, I haven't found a place I can really go to and I haven't prioritized it to the point where I find a therapist like like Derek um, but yeah at least it's better than before. Okay, yeah. I'm glad. Mm -hmm. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I think there's this really, I guess, weird thing is that, kind of like what Derek said, there's this thing where uh, Asian people don't really realize that they kind of cause the problems that we feel. Like how, I mean, for some of us, we have a lot of expectations, right? And for in Jamie's case, like it causes depression because, you know, there's so much stress in being the firstborn or know having a lot of expectations in general that it can cause anxiety it can cause depression because you know what if I'm not good enough to be in this position right mm -hmm. stuff like that but in my case it was more towards my identity that made me feel like I'm not really good enough not in my Asian identity per se but in my other identity which is not uh, typical to Asian culture which is like the queer like being queer mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, I had asked my mom in a very hypothetical way. Like, I used my brother as a gate gateway. Like, what if my brother was gay? Or what if he liked, like, gay men or liked both women and men? And she said, then he wouldn't be my son. And in that in instant, I was like, whoa. Um, that's really, whoa. You know, so then that kind of, like, caused a lot of, like, internal conflict with me and that caused me to like act out a lot because I think because of that one moment kind of like determined my entire future with my parents for a good four to five years and then after a while I finally got like I was able to get out of that environment long enough to really realize what type of person I am and to not allow them to really like judge me in that um there was something else I also wanted to say, but I can't remember anymore, <laughs> so, you know. If you remember it, we'll come back. Yeah. Derek, you had something to say? Yeah, well, to kind of piggyback <laughs> off of Tracy's idea of, like, queerness and mental health, queer people, or queer-identified people, tend do tend to have higher rates of mental health issues. That plus the intersections of race and class and mm -hmm. gender and sexuality, like, that kind of all brings back to the, like the, what's the word for it? Like the probability of having mental health issues. But that's not what I was gonna say. Um, and I, one thing though I do think is interesting is that, you know, growing up I was always like, mom, like you don't understand, like, you know. But I think they do, I think they, I think they do and they just don't have the words for it and they don't have mm -hmm. the language for it. Because, uh, so my mom recently lost her job at like whatever job she was working at and then she was really really sad and she was really depressed and she was talking about how like the meaning of life and what it meant right and she was like for me it's just to like provide for my children blah blah 
And so she was like, oh, and now that like you guys don't really need my help anymore, like I can just go die. And I was like, damn, ma, you got issues. Like, <laughs> and I've been telling her and my whole entire family, like, all you guys need a therapist. Like, <laughs> like, like, you guys are not like that stable. But, you know, for us, they, for them, it's like they just need to grind. They need to make money so that they can provide for us and survive in this kind of new country. Because my family um, were immigrants. They came from. Um, Zhuhai, China, um, and so they didn't really have anything, and so, you know, our, me and my sister were, like, kind of, like, stepping stones to, like, a better life for them, so I feel like for them, like, mental health has always been, been in the back burner, and they kind of don't understand why, why we have mental health issues in the first place, because the life that we lived was, like, quote-unquote, so much better than the life they lived, and, and mm-hmm. arguably, yes, like, my, my, my mom grew up really poor, um, they used to eat, like, rats, like, in like the mountainside because you know they live in the village and they used to like wipe their butts with like banana sticks leaves. or banana leaves and I wasn't that region it was tropical <laughs> so there was no banana leaves but and so I think that it's easy to sort of victimize ourselves in a way and it's like and yes we do have issues and we do have a lot of like um, problems with like like pressure and stuff but it's important to also recognize that our parents probably also have mental mental issues. It's called intergenerational trauma, if anybody don't know what that term is. Can you explain it? Yeah, so intergenerational trauma is the trauma that's passed down by your parents, by their parents, etc., etc. A really recent one is the intergenerational trauma caused by the Vietnam War. Um, Stuff PTSD that's happened for a lot of um, people who immigrate to America um, is passed down to their children. The type, same type of violence and same type of like um, mental health issues that's kind of passed down. And it's very apparent in a lot of different communities, including Native American communities, Latinx communities, and, and black communities as well. So, yeah. Um, to continue with that, I mean, I don't know if you guys are planning to have kids or if, like, that's in your future. Um, but, like, for if theoretically you have children, how do you think you would handle that if they came to you saying, you know, I don't, I don't think I can be in school right now. Like, can I stay home? That kind of a thing. Because I don't quite have the language for it yet. How would you approach that? Actually, it's super interesting because that's my sister right now. Mm-hmm. Um she has been homeschooled uh, since kindergarten and after my like bad experience with homeschooling we've been trying to get her back to public school but she says that she's not ready to go back um, we try to like force her to go back anyways you know just for the sake of her not being the mistake that we like making a mistake of with homeschooling um, but she went there for a month and said that she couldn't do it anymore. Like she was losing her mind, she was super anxious. And we didn't really take that into account, even though like I know what it's like to be in that situation as a kid, to have all that pent up anxiety and stress from the kids in your school and the homework and everything like that. I didn't try and fight my parents that hard on it because I didn't want her to have a messed up education. And I thought that was more important than mental health. Um, 
but now I'm trying to see it in her way and see that maybe she's just not ready and maybe I just have to like make her own educational path and just help her the most that I can right now um, so even though it's it homeschooling didn't work for me or my brother maybe it'll work for her so if I ever do have kids then I just have to apply that same logic. Maybe home, like public school isn't right for them and maybe we just have to try something else. Well, if I were to have kids, which I'm not sure, because <laughs> it's expensive. It is. I don't blame you. And they're kind of like, they kind of pull you down, but anyway, <laughs> they do, like travel is expensive with kids. Um, but I think that my perspective is very Western. So I'm, and so I obviously don't have the same kind of struggles my parents did. I feel like I would be a lot more understanding. But again, my sister's actually going through the same thing. So my sister has three kids right now. She's 12 years older than me. And uh, my sister was kind of like a mother figure for me growing up because my parents were always kind of working. And so a lot of my lowercase t trauma, and I like saying lowercase t trauma because it's not like capital T trauma, right? It's mm -hmm. not like... I didn't get stabbed or anything, but it's definitely like, you know, subtle traumas, I say lowercase t trauma, was me growing up queer and her kind of ostracizing me for it and putting me down for it. So for example, like, in the seventh grade, I was caught with a stash of gay porn. Um, <laughs> oh no. And this is significant, so I swear. And then she kind of pulled me aside, right, and she was like, let's go on a walk, right? And she was like, did you know that if you're gay, you get AIDS, and you are, will die. And I was like, shit, shoot. <laughs> <sighs> well, okay, well, you know, so that, you know, and that, that has lasting impact a lot, especially I was like, what, 12 at the time? Like 12, 13, something like that. Um, and so, and so, and I recently came out to my sister, actually, two or three months ago, or three or four months ago, like the summer. And I told her, like, you know, like, you and your boyfriend, like, messed me up. Like, you guys gave me a lot of trauma, like, growing up. And I don't want them, I don't want you to put your kids through the same thing. Like, because now you have three kids of your own kids. And, you know, mm -hmm. but, so, similar experience, sort of. I guess, I'm not going to say it's identical to you guys, but I do have a cousin that has, like, uh, trouble learning. Because I'm, I'm like, ninety percent sure she has ADHD. But um, my family, well, my aunt isn't willing to take her to the doctor, and I keep saying like, hey, she needs to go to the doctor, because we know she's not succeeding in school. She's really, really slow. She can't focus. She's always like, days. She's not. She's always on her phone, like doing stuff that she's more interested in. And it might be, in her interest to go to a doctor, you know, because I. I think it's possible she might also have depression. Um, so looking at that, like I, th I guess I would just kind of like try to look for the signs that mm -hmm. you know there are this and that. I'll probably pull them aside, like, hey, do you do you need help? Do you like do you want to go to the doctor? Right. Um, I think it kind of mirrors a bit of what my mom would do because my mom's like the same mind as me that she needs to go to a doctor, and she was the one that offered me to like to take me to a mental health specialist to see if I needed help in my mental health issues. So mirroring what my mom would do, I would probably also pull them aside and just kind of help them 
give them like a way out or a way in to helping themselves. Mm. I had a follow up question, but I like completely blanked. Um, <laughs> so I'll ask one of my other questions. Um, so we talked about like queerness and, but not really too much about like binary gender roles. Um, and I'm wondering if that has affected you as well. Not so much me. Um, I'm very, very straight. <laughs> and so I I mean, there has been expectation to like um, have lots of kids, you know, um, get married, carry on the family name, whatever. Um, but then again, because I'm not a guy, it's not that much of a pressure to have um, have kids because the guy's the one that has the family heritage, the name and all of that. Um, so, I did have some pressure, but not as much. And there was no gender role that was really specifically assigned to me. Um, but I am treated differently than my brother and my male cousins. Um, and that's just a whole thing about like sexism and how that's kind of in Korean culture and you can't really separate that from each other. So I do feel less as a woman in Cor like with my relatives and my family, but um, not a specific gender role, if that makes any sense. You know what um, I mean? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Hi, it's your boy. <laughs> the only boy in this group. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. Um, men are trash, but I, I do, I did have those gender rules growing up a lot. I'm, I'm the only boy in the family, um, like, in, like my, me and my sister, and I'm also the youngest. So there's always that kind of expectation for me to Number one, live with my parents um, when I'm older, when we're two, have a wife and have kids and get a job and whatever. Um, but I, I was very apparently queer from a very young age. Um, and so, and I, one of the, like, like, I did very, like, quote-unquote girly things. Even though, like, activities cannot be girly, but they just are gender gendered that mm -hmm. way and so like you know I wanted to, and I think particularly it was because I looked up, up a lot to my sister so I wanted to do everything my sister did so you know I played with Barbies I, I painted my nails like um, like I really put on my sister's dress like and stuff like that and so I think that like there was this expectation for me to be a certain way but I was never like it but I, I kind of was able to exploit it as I was older because mm -hmm. I knew that my parents were willing to buy me anything that they deemed quote-unquote straight. Mm. So I bought yeah. hello Legos. Oh. <laughs> Those are so expensive. Yeah, that's why. They were, like, <laughs> they were like, this is straight. They were literally blocks. Like, they were literally plastic blocks, and they're considered straight. And so um, video games, mm -hmm. right? Like, I can exploit them hella video games. They, 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 they deemed it as straight. Mm. Uh, and so, and even to this day, like, my, my mom still asks me, like, because I have a lot of girlfriends. Um, I have a lot of girlfriends, and my mom's always like, just choose one. Just choose and oh, No. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, like, there's still that expectation, but they know. Like, like, you know, they know. I think they know, but, um, and that, that also goes with my nieces as well. So my nieces, like, they play video games sometimes, like, on their iPads or whatever, and my mom's like, why are you playing video games? Like, video games are for uh, for boys, right? Mm. And I was like, mom, like, <laughs> don't say that. I was like, Haley, like, m m my niece's name is Haley. I was like, you can do whatever you want. 
like, <laughs> do whatever you want. And then my nephew, like, he was playing with, like, a wand. Like a, like a, like a princess wand. And mom's like, oh, like, why are you playing with that? And, like, he wasn't even playing with it, like, as natural wand. He was literally hitting people with it. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, he can play whatever he wants to play. Like, <laughs> like, and, like, and so, and, you know, the minute they come out, like, you, you, you gender them, right? Like, I remember, mm-hmm. like, Haley, who was, like, seven now, and she was, like, four or five, we picked up this book from the library, and it was, like, princesses can be boys, right? And it's that, like, really radical, like, whatever. Um, and my, my, my niece was like, why is he a princess? Like, boys can't be princesses. And I was like, you can be whatever he wants to be, like. <laughs> and so, you know, we put it, them, it on them at a very young age. And it's hard to not put it on them because we do live in a gender binary society of male and female. When, you know, I think most liberal people would, like, agree that gender is more of a construct. More of a performance, I would say, than a construct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Sorry. Um, do you think the binary gender roles has affected you and, like, your mental health? Um, I actually think that I do think it does. Because, um, I would identify as I don't really know I, I I'm the type of person that doesn't care about my my pronouns but I will take offense if you called me an it stuff like stuff that are like very object mm-hmm. um so like if someone like looked at me and said he I'd be like yeah I'm a he I don't care yeah sure you know he she they I'm fine I know a lot of people um also take off like take offense in like wrong pronouns mm-hmm. and I am very empathetic to that I will take, you know, offense to it too. But um, I do think it it affects me because I used to have this friend that would refer to non-binary people as it. Mm -hmm. And at first, I tried not to think about it, but after a while, I just couldn't stand this person anymore. So, and like, I realized like after hanging out with this person, me as a person, I start to change too. I start to get more angry. I start to get more like, like I would act out a lot more. And I realized like this is not good for my mental health. So I had to cut this person off completely because they refused to acknowledge the fact that non-binary people existed and they have like their own, like their thing, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they exist. But um, in my perspective in relation to Asian culture, uh, I always hated the fact that in in my family I hold like the responsibility of having to bear at least two children. I have to bear at least two children for my family, and I always hated that. I always hated that. You know, why do I have to do that? Because I'm a girl. Because I am identified as a she. That I have to like bear the responsibility of being this person, of being motherly, which I'm fine with being motherly like you know but I don't like the idea that I'm expected to do this like being voluntold to have kids to take care of other people I'd rather do it of my own volition which I would you know gladly do but um yeah I'm also like told I have to take I have to have children I have to take care of my family I have to be kind to other people particularly the men of the family because they hold like the the what was it the uh, 
Is that right? The people who earn money for the your house? The breadwinner. Yes, the breadwinners. So, in relation to like gender roles, I, I, I've always hated that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, going off of that for gender roles, I am the oldest daughter in like my immediate family, but I'm also the oldest granddaughter on my paternal side, which is like the important side or whatever. Yeah. So like, anytime that any of my male relatives are over, I have to do everything for them. So like, they sit there and they drink and I basically like serve them and clean up after them whenever they're over that kind of a thing so like this is why like I bring this up um because that has affected me and I'm kind of like expected to be quiet and not say anything about it um yeah in relationship to like identity and stuff though I think that I don't know I I don't want to like generalize too much because I don't know too much about it but I don't know whether or not non-binary people are recognized in Asian culture. Asian like, culture. I have, I don't know. So what's interesting <laughs> is actually that, does anybody know, nobody know he's man, knows Mandarin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know how to write Mandarin a little bit? No. No, not at no. all? Okay. <laughs> so, um, for the word, told there in, in Chinese writing systems, there is no such thing as he or she. Um, it's one word, and it's ta, and it's basically them. Um, and for a very long time, I mean, Chinese language has been around for like about 5,000 years, right? It's just kind of a stupid language, outdated. Um, <laughs> but what is not outdated, in my opinion, is that the word for them, ta, is written with two radicals, and it's um, the word for human and ye. So it's like this it's a human and ye. And um, only when they're introduced to Western ideas of the binary gender was a change so there's two ta's one male and one female mm-hmm. and so the new ta is with, written with with um, instead of human it's with the, f- the with a female radical and then yeah it's, but it's still pronounced ta it's the same thing so I think that like at one point there it was and because of western ideals and western superiority complex it kind of influenced a lot of eastern ideas of um the binary and queerness and, and and there actually has been a lot of queer like documented things in a lot of like old like ancient chinese like culture like queerness was accepted and there wasn't like a queer emperor i don't know if you guys heard that story of the queer emperor but basically like his boyfriend like fell asleep on his like sleeve like you know the, the, uh, the really long sleeves <laughs> that the, the emperors have yeah the and then he cuts off the sleeve so that he he could continue to sleep and it was like, oh, it's just a shirt, right? But it's like, Emperor's shirts are not just, like, shirts. Like, <laughs> they're made from, like, silk. Like, mm-hmm. they're expensive. And so, like, we can see that at one point it was accepted. It was only just when um, Western binaries, like, put it on, like, Eastern ideals as when it started getting unaccepted. And now, again, we're doing it again, right? Like, Western society starting to go towards more liberal LGBT rights. Mm-hmm. And now we're, like, be like, oh, like, these Asian countries are so back, like, back, mm-hmm. or, like, so backwards, they don't want to do the same thing, but, yeah. yeah. But I don't know the exact history, though, I don't really <laughs> know, okay. so, um, but, yeah. Um, to continue with that, we are seeing some changes, but I think that we are kind of in a little bubble here in California, being 
mostly liberal. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, if I were to ask um, an Asian community in, like, the Midwest, I don't know if they would have the same answer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in terms of acceptance and all of that. Well, for in Vietnamese and in Vietnam, I'm not mm -hmm. quite sure if they have a non-binary acceptance because the one time that I kind of like visually looked non-binary, I think Jamie remembers this, um, my dad actually thought that I looked more like a boy. But a lot of other people who are, I guess, are more um, liberal in their standpoint thought that I looked well. They, st they still thought I looked like a girl, which was really weird because my dad thought I looked like a boy. But other people around me thought I looked kind of non-binary non and like a girl. But I, I don't know, like, I guess in the Vietnamese culture, and if you don't look like a girl, you're not a girl, you're a boy, you know, in a way? Mm -hmm. Like, the, if you don't express yourself in a way that's feminine, you're a boy. And then I guess males is probably the same way. If you keep your hair long and you express yourself in a way that's feminine, then you're trying to be a girl rather than non-binary and like I'm not trying to call my brother out so I mean I guess you should be glad that I'm not saying his name <laughs> but um he he's never kind of like overtly expressed himself as feminine because I think I have reason to believe that he actually is queer in a way I'm not gonna say which way in a way and I think um my family's thoughts on like queerness have kind of affected the way that he has to express himself in the family because when he's in the when he's around the family he's always like he's very strong-headed he's very masculine but I know for a fact like in his private time he does like listen to very feminine feminine songs quote-unquote um like uh I guess like Taylor Swift people like I don't know why people are like oh Taylor Swift is like a girl song you know you know what I, I mean love Taylor Swift. <laughs> Like, Taylor Swift, and, like, he used to, uh, he likes to sing a lot. He likes, I think everybody likes Beyonce. Who, who doesn't, right? Um, but he's, he always liked certain things that would probably be deemed more as feminine in our family. But he always keeps that in a really down low, because I think he's embarrassed for my family to find out. Um, because of that, he, like, he does, like, weightlifting. He does all this to, like, look macho and all that. And uh, I guess like because of because of the binary that we have, he's unable to express himself in the way that he wants to, and I guess in the way that I want to. Mm -hmm. So, um, actually, it just hit me that when I was little, I kind of sensed that it was different for me to be uh, a girl and my brother being a boy, because all my relatives like doted on my brother and my dad treated him different and it would take him out to other places so I thought hey maybe if I just acted a little bit more macho that'd be better so I started uh, getting into Hot Wheels and video games and uh, Legos right Legos the straight man's toy anyway so um, but that ended up being a problem because girls are supposed to play with Barbies and you're supposed to stay at home and I don't know not do the things that my brother's doing so maybe I didn't realize it until now but I guess it did affect me in a way because I still play video games uh, and I still do a lot of um, I don't dress very feminine um, I don't know and and 
that's really weird. I think gaming is a whole separate uh, discussion. Like that's not particularly for like specific to Asian Americans, but I don't know. Um, I never realized that that changed how I acted as a young girl, and that's weird to realize that at this very moment. <laughs> um, going back to your brother though, Tracy. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting is the way that Asian males are racialized as more feminine and how Asian males tend to have this need to express toxic masculinity in order to validate their masculinity, especially in the context of white America, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, for some background, um, American like racialization of Asian males tend to be you know they're submissive and they're 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 skinny and they're um, um, they're feminine, right? And it roots back to the immigration of Asian migrant workers to the United States. Um, a lot of these Asian migrant workers were marrying white women, and so the white men were mad, right? And they were. They feel threatened. They feel threatened, right? And so they started putting on, um, you know, these stereotypes and these, like, feminization of Asian males. But that being said, though, the way to solve this is not to say Asian males are not feminine, right? Because, so what if they are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what, why are we, I think it's, it has, oh, I think it goes back to, toxic masculinity and what masculinity and femininity is and so um, yeah I think that's interesting to think about in terms of like the feminization of gay Asian males or just just like Asian males in general and the need to kind of express masculinity and that goes for me as well like I think I present myself as a pretty masculine presenting like person and sometimes I'm not sure if it's like this is like what I am or is it because this is what I've learned to perform Mm -hmm. as I've grown up Um, so yeah yeah in terms of like performing gender roles um, I mean I don't know whether or not we're really gonna get rid of gender roles or if they're just gonna change into something new you know what I mean Um, But yeah, for me personally, like, again, going back to, like, the fact that my parents are like, you're the girl, you have to do everything, that kind of thing. Um, When I was little, when it was just my brother and I, my brother is older than me, um, I think that they were okay with me, like, presenting or doing more masculine things because it was like, you're with your brother, you know what I mean? Like, if you're adjacent, then that's okay. Um... But then when my sister came, my mom was like, well, you have to do the feminine things because you're with your sister. And so now I think as somebody who's like kind of questioning, am I non-binary or am I like gender fluid, that kind of a thing, it's like, where, where do I go? Because I've learned both. Yeah. So I don't know if that'll change in the future. Yeah. Um, I hope that they get rid of gender roles, but I wish. You know, we'll see. <laughs> Um, do you guys have any other things you want to talk about in this section in relationship to what we have talked about? Uh, I kind of I kind of briefly mentioned um, 
like Asian standards and how that affected um, how I saw myself, um, which led to my eating disorder. Um, so I want to ask if any of you have felt that kind of pressure um, to conform to Asian beauty standards, because that was one thing that really, really got to me. Um, yeah, so this was something that I've been through as well. Um, when I was like in the seventh grade, my teacher, like my PE teacher specifically, pushed me like really, really hard um, for whatever reason. I still got a really bad grade in that class, but like I'm like so pissed because I did everything. But anyways, um, and so I think at that year, like pre-pubescent, because you know your body changes a lot post-puberty. Um, after after that year, um, I gained weight like just the tiniest bit it like wasn't even significant yeah my mom was like you've gained so much weight like mm -hmm. you need to lose weight again like you're like why are you eating so much like you need to start doing sit-ups like she still does this to me mm -hmm. um but I think I'm more like confident in myself and I'm like um abs are gonna go away anyway so like, <laughs> 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 um but yeah and so I think Right after high school, I was struggling with like body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. um, I was intentionally starving myself, or like at least cutting back calories until like I was just eating to wake up, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, there was this thing. There was like a lot of trends back then, in, like high school. Um, there's like the sweet potato and apple diet, where you oh, literally. You, IU, right? Yeah, IU. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did that, and it was terrible, but I kept pushing myself to do it because I was like, it'll make me like IU, K-pop <laughs> star who, that's me. <laughs> um, but no, that was terrible, and I'm glad that I, I mean, not glad, like, cause that's terrible you went through that, but, like, to hear that from someone else is, like, kind of a relief that I wasn't the only one because that's something that really is a problem, and now we get to talk about it on this podcast, mm -hmm. which is awesome. So... I was gonna say no, cause from a young age, I really tried to like reject the notion that I had to be like this way because I was a girl. But like beauty standards, like when uh, Vivian said about, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to, why do you look so fat, stuff like that. Um, in high school, my mom said that all the time. You're overweight. You're 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 fat. You're you weigh this much amount, you should lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds. And my mom still says this, too. But, um, like, my mom and I are in a comfort zone where I can be half naked in front of her, and she'll be like, oh, okay, whatever. And when she looks at me, she's like, oh, you're skinnier. I'm like, I didn't change my diet. So, like, what's really, what's true, right? So, I never really let that affect me, but... It was really annoying, I guess, to have someone tell you always, you need to lose weight because you're getting fatter. Even though you literally, like, all I ate was the exact same thing I did last week when you told me I was fat that time. Mm. Or when you when you told me I was skinny that time. It's like, it's, it's really weird when family, like, when people tell you you're getting fat when nothing's really changed, I guess. <laughs> so, um, weight and... Image is very important to my family. Um, I remember being on a diet in literally the first grade. Um, I was really, really skinny, like kindergarten. And then I went to China in the first grade. 
And I was like, I don't like any of this food, right? So I'm going to eat McDonald's every single day. I eat McDonald's like three times a day. So obviously I gained like a lot of weight and kind of never really went away. Um, and so, and it definitely was not helping that my parents did not really help support a healthy eating lifestyle. Uh, I was starting to kind of like lose weight in like the sixth, seventh grade because of like puberty, but then I kind of offset it with Jack in a Box every single day after school. My order was a sourdough Jack with a medium curly fry and a medium soda, um, Sprite. Um, and so I ate that, yeah, I ate that every single day in sixth grade. And so that didn't help either. And so, you know, I've always remember like just absolutely just hating my body and hating like like just like wanting it to go away and like willing literally willing to do anything to lose weight except eat healthy and exercise. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. and so in high school is when I joined the cross country team in high school in um at my school. And so I started running and like and like I started getting really obsessed with like the way I looked and my my mile times, um, and I wanted to be faster and I wanted to be skinnier, and so I remember distinctively like after school or like in the morning I would eat like a piece of toast with an egg, and then after lunch I would eat like a salad with steamed chicken, steamed. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Not even grilled. <laughs> um, and then uh, I would after school I would run like seven eight miles for like cross country and then I would go home and I would think to myself like why would I eat dinner and waste like calories when I just burned off like four or five hundred calories so I was probably averaging around four or five hundred calories per day and then burning about six seven hundred calories per day so it was definitely like a lot and so I actually lost 30 pounds in about a month and I was really really skinny I was about 170 pounds um, at my skinniest um, I'm 230 now. <laughs> so I gained, I gained it all back after high school because, like, it, like these diets and these and this kind of lifestyle of, like, starving yourself and not eating, like, it's not realistic. And it's not... You're, you're not going to be able to maintain that kind of lifestyle, like, like because that's just not how humans work, right? Um, and so... Um, and then there was definitely health health side effects that happened to me. Like, I... For that year, I think I went to the hospital three times. So I just started throwing up. Not because like I was like bulimic, but because I, I would just wake up in the middle of the night and I would have to have stomach problems. Because when you lose weight that fast, like your body just doesn't react well to it. Um, and so, and even now, like I have phases of like binging and like starving and binging and starving. But I think it's gotten a lot better within the last year. And you just gotta have to recognize like your body changes, you know, like and. You know, as you get older, like, your metabolisms, my metabolism starts to, like, suck. <laughs> and, like, but, you know, what can you do about it, right? And I don't have time to, like, work out five hours a day, yeah. right? Like, I'm not paid to go work out. So <laughs> I exercise now, but very, like, moderately. Like, I run, like, maybe 15 minutes on the treadmill. <laughs> and I do, like, one, like body exercise and I'm like going home <laughs> I sweated already it's good enough but yeah I was discouraged to work out because that's manly you're gonna make muscles mm -hmm. so diet was the only way and that sucked and so that's why it still freaks me out to go to the gym because it's been so deeply embedded like girls don't go to the gym because you make muscles and you're gonna look blocky you already have broad shoulders so what's the point it's all that like that's so deeply ingrained and I can't get rid of it and I don't know how to get rid of it all that to go to therapy 
Yeah, I experienced the same thing. So in high school, I wanted to be in sports. Mm. Um, I wanted to get into swim. I wanted to play tennis. I wanted to play badminton. Yeah. I thought about track and field, but like I have leg problems, so like I can't do that. It was really hard. Um, it was not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I kind of don't want bad knees when I'm like 30. Oh, so. Yeah, I have really bad knees. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it happens. Um, but yeah, same thing. I already have broad shoulders in comparison to like how wide my hips are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom was like, you can't do that. You can't, you can't build up your shoulders like that. Um, yeah, so I, I totally get it. Um, I found what has helped for me now is going to classes that are led by other women. Mm. So um, at CC, I took a Pilates class. Everybody like hates on Pilates, but like it's so great. <laughs> Pilates um, is really hard. It is. It's, it's so really hard. hard. <laughs> but yeah, so my instructor was female, and like she is very elegant. She presented feminine, and I was like, okay, like I can do this mm-hmm. and not feel like I'm going against my parents or like you know that i'm gonna be manly or whatever yeah so i don't know if that'll help you but mm. it's something to think about <laughs> yeah. yeah um to go back to like diets and things i don't know if i've told you guys but i'm vegetarian oh um, <laughs> okay i guess not <laughs> um, so i don't eat red meat um and when i did it my parents were like oh that's good you're gonna lose weight yeah yeah i was like i'm not doing it for that Mm -hmm. but like if that's what happens that's what happens and it's not what happened i gained weight and they were like like that's weird like like, you eat vegetables like what are you doing doesn't make you gain weight it's the carbohydrates (laughs) like (laughs) and i feel like when you're vegetarian you eat more carbohydrates because you don't have meat yeah you have to get proteins in other ways so yeah but um in terms of like when we were talking about iu seeing k-pop stars now being so incredibly thin was like it was really bad for me when i first started listening to k-pop and i was like oh like they're like 98 pounds like i should be like that you know um and i see that with my cousin now she's she's just getting into k-pop and she's already skinny um like very naturally and she's gonna be very tall but like she doesn't eat anything and it's like it's so concerning to me that k-pop is so big now And they're still promoting unhealthy lifestyles. Yeah, it's going on a dress too. Mm-hmm. They also encourage like plastic surgery, mm-hmm. like crazy. It's, yeah, yeah. I don't know when they're gonna talk about it. I don't if ever. know if they will because I mean, at least with Korea, it's very specific what the beauty standard is, and yeah. if you don't fit it, then you plastic don't. surgery is a way to get there. Because yeah. I mean, plastic surgery in Korea is actually very accepted, so it's mm-hmm. probably like. In the U.S., like other places other than Korea, it's not accepted. Mm. But with the way that Korea, like K-pop, is coming into the U.S. now, it's probably going to make um, plastic surgery a thing in the U.S. It already is though. It is, is, but it's really expensive here. It is really expensive. It's much cheaper in Korea. Yeah. Yeah, I've looked it up. (laughs) <laughs> no, me too. Me like, too. liposuction's like half the price in Korea. Yeah. I looked it up. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm down though. Yeah. Like, to be honest, like, I'm down. Like. I mean, I'm all for like, like doing what you can to make yourself feel comfortable in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was pressured so many times from so many people. I don't even know them. They like my mom like introduced me to the waitress, and she told me you should get double eyelid surgery. That is the thing. Like I'm telling you. Yeah. And so um, I was born with monolids. Always had them. 
but when I was, I think when I started um, junior high, maybe before that, my mom started doing this really nice thing. Um, it's called DIY plastic surgery. Um, do it at your uh, do it yourself at home. So she took glue sticks uh, and a nice mechanical pencil, and she would put the glue on my eyelid um, and, and create a crease. Yeah. crease. Yeah. And so now I have a crease. But here's the catch: if I um, wake up really tired and my eyes are puffy, they'll go away. So um, because I was trained to, I take the eyelash glue and I just do the fold, and then I'm dead serious. Like it's there. Like. You can see, like, I've... Well, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, so my mom kind of ingrained it into me that I have to have this double eyelid to be beautiful. And so that's why I still do it to this day, and I can't see myself without the crease or else. It makes me upset. But see, that's rooted in whiteness. And yes. That's rooted in white supremacy. Absolutely. So. That is a whole other thing we could talk about if you would like to go off. Yeah, no, we can talk about it because uh, when we were referring to surgery, I really thought about getting a rhinoplasty mm. for like the longest time. But I think I've settled on like if I do it, I'm just gonna get injections uh, um, for yeah. the nose bridge. Mm. Because, exactly. Yeah, because oh, well, we were we all wear glasses, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, glasses fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. Every time I go to the doctors, like, I had to get specific frames because my lenses are so thick because I'm blind as heck. Mm-hmm. Um, but my nose bridge is never tall enough for them, and so they're constantly falling. Oh. Um, and so at a certain point, I was like, well, if I just get my bridge done, like, I'll have my glasses sit <laughs> on my face, right? How much is it? Have you looked at <laughs> Oh, my God. But, yeah, I've, that was the big one, the double eyelid surgery. Um, I know my family member, she flew to Korea, and her mom got her to go to the, to the doctor, like, unwillingly, and get it done. Unwillingly. So even though, like, she didn't want it, she did it or else she would not become like she'd not be her daughter anymore and so that kind of manipulation like was able to get her to do that and that made me so sad for her because it's not something that she wanted but it's because of the standard and like the obedience that you have to have to your parents she did it and i was very lucky that i got to escape that before like right before like it almost got to that point mm-hmm. so that makes me really sad but yeah. i i mean i have this the handmade Island. That's honestly crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, you actually do have like, the audience can't see this, but you actually do have a double eyelid. I know it's yeah, it's it's crazy. And she also used to tape my ears down as a baby, uh-huh. so that my ears would come out instead of lie flat against my head. Honestly, what? I'm kind of like genetically modified, but like handmade. You know? <laughs> like I'm kind of like I'm kind of fucked up, but like yeah, the ears she used to fold down with tape, and then she did the creases. She also did it on my siblings, but they fought back and because they're not the first child they didn't have to go through it so my sister has monolid and my brother has like messed up ones because they're like she kind of did it but not really mm-hmm. and i'm the only successful project <laughs> honestly maybe <Successful project>. <laughs> you already had double eyelids to begin no, with I, like, and like you just haven't grown into them yet my mom has uh, done eyelid surgery oh really yeah and so that's why she was even more like like desperate to get us to all so that she wouldn't be exposed exactly <laughs> she's like no eyelids are so great like I, it's so worth it but oh my god no it, I don't even know why that popped into her head have you guys ever been yeah. pressured to be lighter yes yeah, skin like bleaching skin bleaching skin bleaching yeah. mm-hmm. that's a different conversation for a different time it <laughs> is I mean do you guys want to talk about it in terms of like mental health um, kind of, because 
I mean, it made she made me feel really bad for being so tan at one point that I started going out to like the pharmacy to or like CVS, you know, to go um, get foundation that was um, four times lighter than my skin tone, and I didn't blend it down my neck, and so it was terrible. Anyways. Um, that made me feel even uglier because I was like, wow, not only can I not fake it, but like I'm gonna be stuck like this and I'm ugly. That you see, like it, like, it just escalated to that point. Mm-hmm. Even though it was like, um, I could just, uh, I'm like kind of the way that I am. She made it into something that's like, um, you let this happen, therefore you are gonna be stuck like this forever and you're ugly and you can't do anything about it unless you do skin bleaching which is something she also pressured me to do so it's just it's a lot of these situations where i get caught into this uh, manipulation thing um which is also super unhealthy and really toxic and i still i'm not on a great relationship with my mom because of it um but yeah i don't i really don't know how to address that either because because of what's happened in the past my mom and i don't have a good relationship and it's, it's kind of given me a lot of guilt over the years, but at the same time, I'm not ready to confront that. And so it's just kind of something in the back burner, just letting it simmer there. Um, and it just sucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think when you find the right time, you'll know exactly. to address it. You mm-hmm. don't have to do it now. Yeah. Um, also, this is... Um, my mom, we believe she's schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Um yeah she she's been having a lot of these symptoms and we took her to the hospital and they kind of diagnosed it but they're not ready to um confirm it yeah confirm it and so it kind of makes sense over the years of like how like how her behavior's been and um i mean i think it's enabled me to kind of understand her a little bit more but at the same time i'm not ready to go back to all the the lowercase t traumas and some of the big the uppercase t traumas um because of like how much and how long it's like how the duration is has been you know so i don't know when i'll be able to confront her and talk to her about it but we'll just have to wait and see um to return to skin bleaching uh we were talking earlier and maybe off recording I don't remember um but I used to be really tan like people didn't think that I was Asian because they thought that all Asians are like like light skin toned um but I felt really pressured by my mom to be lighter skinned even though I got tanned because we went as a family to go on um boating trips so like I don't I don't understand, like, of course I'm going to be out in the sun for like three or four hours, I'm going to be darker. Um, But she was never like overtly like, you need to be lighter to be pretty. It was just kind of like, why are you so dark? Like, you know? And so eventually it was just, it kind of transitioned into me being like, okay, I'm just not going to go out in the sun. And then I will lighten up at some point. Um, The listeners can't see me, but I am really pale now. but yeah, so I think for a long time I I didn't I wasn't exposed to like skin bleaching or what that was until um much later. But it was kind of like I need to get the tan off because I'm not making my mother happy 
And if my mother's not happy, then I shouldn't be happy. You guys have any additional comments? Oh, actually, you know what's funny? Um, in high school, a lot of my friends started getting into being tan. So they'd get self-tanner, they'd go mm -hmm. get tan. Um, but when they saw me being tan, they're like, wow, that's so that looks so good on you. Is that real? I'm like, yeah, it's real. But then I'm like, wait, but that's ugly. So what is going on? So I just went with being tan. And so even though I didn't wear sunblock, that was okay because um, I was pretty to my friends. And that's better than having my mom uh, say that I'm ugly. So I don't know. That was really confusing. And that, that just reminded me mm. of like that situation. When I was in high school and I went cross country, it was really tan. Mm. Um, this is me when I was in, I was in cross country. I'm like burnt to a crisp. Like you, can't, you, you can't see it because it's just voice. But I was <laughs> like a burnt. I was just done for like three hours a day for five days a week for like oh three months. So it was, it was really dark, um, and my parents obviously didn't like it either. They were like, "Why are you so dark?" My and I follow my dad's side more, and my dad's side is very light skinned very pale. I, I don't, I don't know if I would consider light skin now. I don't know. Do I look light skin to you? Like, I mean, you're pretty fair, but like, I don't know. Not not very deep. Yeah, like yeah, I I, deep. I think I'm like not as tan, but I'm never not the whitest. And but now I obviously I don't really care anymore. We, for our <laughs> listeners, we are comparing our current skin tones. Wait, you I have, like, really, out of the shadow, though. I have really red undertones. Oh, you do? Yeah, but, like, I think I'm also just tanner because my thigh is, like, literally, like, mm -hmm. pasty white. <laughs> <laughs> like, my thigh is really white. Like, my butt is also really yeah. white. Um, and so I think it just, I mean, I have a really bad farmer's tan, too, so. Um, but I'm not really in the sun that much. I don't really go outside anymore, but... Um, but definitely, there was definitely an element of white superiority and anti-blackness that goes into True. this need to be white. Mm -hmm. And then also appropriating blackness and wanting to be tan in American culture. Mm -hmm. um, but um, As for me, I, was, I don't know. I guess I was pretty pale when I was younger. And in high school also, because, you know, that's when all the activity is at. Um, I did. I was more tan during the time my parents hated it but you know that's just a consequence of you know being active right um that never really affected my uh mental health but because you know sports and like active like doing active things helps itself like it, it helps you with your mental health itself so in the perspective of mental health that never really affected me, but my parents and my family has always been like, oh, you have to be lighter, why are you so dark? And stuff like that, but, um, you know, that's it. Listen to our next episode to hear about uh, Lunar New Year and other cultural celebrations, um, because our Lunar New Year is this weekend for us, mm -hmm. January 25th. Okay, see y'all there.